Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning, and we've just enjoyed singing uh, about God's Word, uh, that He would open the eyes of our heart. Uh, And so as we uh, open up the Word of God today and we continue in Ephesians chapter 5, as we speak about the subject of wisdom uh, today, let's bow once more. Gracious Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It shows us where we are and where we need to go. Uh, And we're thankful for that. Uh, And Father, as we sung, uh, we do truly want you to open the eyes of our heart, uh, open up our minds, uh, help us to engage your word this morning. Uh, For us to see the importance of not just wisdom in a general sense, but the importance of heavenly wisdom, godly wisdom. Uh, because there's a huge difference between the wisdom of men and, and your wisdom, Father. Uh, and so, Father, we ask that your spirit would guide us in truth this morning, uh, that we would honor you uh, in our thoughts, in our hearts, uh, and guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, if you haven't already. And Kurt read our text for this morning, and I've entitled today's sermon, Answering the Call. Uh, And what is that call? That call is for us to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And if you remember back going all the way to chapter 2 and through to where we are in today's text, you'll remember that there has been multiple aspects in which we've been called to walk. Uh, This is the sixth and final admonition uh, in relation to walking in Ephesians. If you look back at chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Then chapter 4, verse 1 says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And then the same chapter, verse 17, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Then chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love. And chapter 5, verse 8, walk as children of light. And then today, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what we can see from what Paul is communicating here is that we are on a journey. And we are to be walking in light of who we are in Christ, not walking according to this world, which we used to be a slave to, but instead walking in a manner worthy of the calling that God has placed upon our hearts, Uh, a calling that has freed us from the bondage of sin, Uh, a call that has translated us from one kingdom to another. Um, It has replaced desires for self only, with a love for God because he first loved us. So we are to walk, as we've learned so far, in obedience, in humility, in separation, in love, in light, and finally, wisdom. Uh, And as uh, Kurt gave you a preview of what is yet to come, we'll see that worked out in a practical way. But we need to start and establish that there is a wisdom that we can have that is not beneficial, which we would consider unwise, and a wisdom that is for our betterment, uh, and that is a wise way in which we engage the world, 
Uh, and that is not going to come from within our flesh. It is not going to come from this world, but instead it's going to come from a heavenly source, from God himself. So what is wisdom? Listen to what A.W. Tozer says. He says, it is the skill to achieve the most perfect ends by the most perfect means. Both the means and the ends have to be worthy of God. Wisdom is the ability to see the end from the beginning, to see everything in proper relation and in full focus. It is to judge in view of final and ultimate ends and to work toward those ends with flawless precision. Now, you never thought that wisdom was that complicated. You know, we oftentimes think of wisdom as just the application of knowledge. Uh, And that is true. But the question is, is is our knowledge full? Is our knowledge perfect? Do we know the beginning from the end as human beings? Uh, And we know right off that we are finite in our existence. We have limitations. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But God does. Matter of fact, God knows everything that's going to happen from, you know, the beginning of time to the end of time because he is the one that declares it, because he is sovereign in control over all that he has made. And matter of fact, when we think about this achieving the most perfect ends by the most perfect means, who is the one and only that is perfect in all of his ways? God is. And so we're going to see a distinction here, which we've looked at as we were in the book of James, and we'll refer to that a little bit this morning. Uh, But it's important for us to understand that we must pursue this wisdom, because otherwise we are going to walk, not in a careful manner, even though we may have good intentions, because we are lacking something. We are maybe lacking knowledge, maybe we're lacking understanding, maybe we're lacking discernment or discretion because we cannot see perfectly, only God can. And it's in this perfection that we read in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, that the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. So there's nothing in question in relation to what God made. It was perfect in its ways. God didn't need to create and then uncreate to recreate because there was something that wasn't done in perfect wisdom. God did it, spoke it, and it came into existence. And it was perfect and good and actually very good as he looked at it because, again, he is the one who and only one who can achieve the most perfect ends by the most perfect means, because he is wholly other. He is God himself. It says, by understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds drop down the dew. So there's nothing that we can look at in the original creation that was perfect in all of its ways, that was incomplete, that needed to be altered over time, because maybe it ran out of what it needed. God did it in perfection, in godly wisdom. So there is a difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And I'd like you to turn back to Ephesians chapter, or not Ephesians, I'm so used to saying that, James chapter 3, so that we can see this 
difference because there is a stark contrast between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. James chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. He begins by saying, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. We can see that worked out in our world at any moment of any day. Because there is jealousy, there is selfish ambition, people doing what they want to do, not thinking about others. Every vile practice, every disorder, and where that is, it says it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now, can we as believers still operate in those venues? Can we still exhibit a selfish ambition when it comes to making a decision in relation to ourselves or in relation to others? The answer to that question is, yes, we can. We are still capable of sin. We are no longer under its power and control as one enslaved to it, but you still have a capacity to act in a foolish way. And so this is why, as we take a look at this, we need to see what it says in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. We just got done singing, holy, holy, holy. See, the reason why God's wisdom, heavenly wisdom, is perfect because God is perfect. He doesn't have to redo or to undo what he thinks or what he says or what he does. It's in perfection. That's why it's, first of all, pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. See, the thing is, is in the flesh, we can, as far as maybe the world is concerned, make a wise decision that's insincere. We can make a wise decision that is partial, that does not produce good fruit but bad fruit, that is not merciful at all, um, is very hard-lined, in other words, not open to reason, is not gentle. As a matter of fact, it pushes one's will upon somebody else and is not pure in its source because we are still sinful. We still have a sin nature. That's why we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Listen to what Paul said to the church there. He says, let no one deceive himself. So there's a possibility that we could deceive ourselves in relation to this. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now that doesn't make sense from a human perspective. If we want to become wise, we should become a fool. Well, why is that truth? Look at verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. 
For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, in their deception. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows what we think and why we think it. Whereas we can hide that from everyone else around us and still claim to be wise from an earthly perspective. But yet, as it says here, it is futile, which means it's pointless. And so when you think about this past week, when you think about the last year of your life, did you make decisions that were wise in your own eyes or wise in relation to the world itself or wise in relation to the God who made you, having its source in God himself, who always achieves the most perfect ends by the most perfect means? Because that's what he is worthy of, perfection. So where does the journey for wisdom begin? I need you to click forward here. Uh, oh, there it goes. All right. Listen to what Job said in Job 28, uh, verses 12 and 13. He asked the question, but where does wisdom, or where shall be wisdom found? And where is the place of understanding? Verse 13, he says, man does not know its worth. And it is not found in the land of the living. So an answer to his question is, is where wisdom can be found, you're not going to find it here on earth. If you're looking for the wisdom that is pure, that has uh, achieves the most perfect ends by the per most perfect means, you're not going to find it here on earth. But he says in uh, chapter 28, verse 23, God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. Well, why does God know? Well, because it tells us in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, it is the Lord who gives wisdom. It's from his mouth that come knowledge and understanding. In verse 7, it says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. So as believers in Jesus Christ, as brothers and sisters here this morning, where do you get your wisdom? Where do you get your knowledge from? How do you come to understand what you're about to make a decision about? Is it just from personal experience or saying, I've got this? Or is it informed by the God who actually gives wisdom? Because again, as we remember, the wisdom of this world is folly with God. So anything that we could possibly think of from an earthly perspective and only thinking internally or based in this world is foolishness. And God says, if you really truly want to be wise, become a fool instead of being wise in your own eyes. So where does that journey begin? Well, James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, and that's not the wisdom of this world, this is the wisdom that is heavenly, it says, let him ask God. So if you're here this morning and you have been just operating out of your own knowledge base, your own understanding to make the decisions that affect you and those around you, 
Today is a day where you can see the importance and the need as a believer, as a son or daughter of the, the kingdom of God, to change your source in which you decide maybe small things or life-altering things. Because remember, it says that he guards the path of justice and he watches over the way of his saints. His wisdom is not folly. His wisdom is pure, perfect, just as he is. So it says there, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So in other words, when you come to God and and genuinely ask him from your heart, as we sung today, to open up your eyes of your heart or even open up your mind so that you can engage in such a way that you're taking what God knows and what God tells us in his word to have that inform your decisions, God's going to to give it to you generously. He's not going to be stingy with it. He isn't going to hold back and tempt you and you know, give you an option, well, you could do it this way, which is earthly, and, or you can do it this way, which you know, is the way I do it. When we ask God for wisdom, he gives us the wisdom that he knows we need, which is a wisdom that can achieve the most perfect ends by the most perfect means because only God sees the end from the beginning. As much as I'd like to know what's going to happen tomorrow, I have no idea. Do I spend today worrying and fretting and having anxiety over what tomorrow is going to bring? Or do I wisely trust God who has already lived my tomorrow to say, God, I trust you. Show me how to engage the world in a wise way. Help me to engage the world through your eyes not my own. Well, see, there's a call to seek after wisdom in Scripture, if you did not know that already. And so I'm going to have you turn to Proverbs, because for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to be jumping between Proverbs 2, 3, and 4, chapter-wise, because I want you to see, as this call goes out, that this is not just something that is random in nature. This is not just something that you should consider Uh, but is not beneficial for you. This is something that you should embrace. Um, And that's where this call uh, to seek after wisdom comes from. So Proverbs chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. I'd like you to uh, start looking there at verse 5 of chapter 4. To see this call to seek after wisdom. It says there in verse 5, Get wisdom. Get it. Don't just let it be there. Don't let it just be head knowledge. Don't let it just be written in the Word of God. Pursue it. Seek it. Get it. It tells you to get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6 says, do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. So if you want to live in a wise manner in relation to who you are as a child of God, then get the wisdom that comes from above. Stop operating in the wisdom that you gain from the knowledge and understanding and the ways of this world. Does it mean that you 
will always, if you make decisions based in this world, have an utter failure? No. But you may, well, you will not accomplish by the most perfect ends, the most perfect means. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Verse 8 says, prize her highly. So prize highly wisdom that comes from God. And she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Then jump down to verse 10. It says, hear my son and accept my words, that your years of your life may be many. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her, for she is your life. Now, there's some words that are interchanging here, but when you think about wisdom, godly wisdom is based in a full, holy knowledge of everything, which gives us the understanding and the insight and informs us so that we have discretion. So they all work together, but it's all based in that wisdom that comes from above. But you'll notice the language there. It says, get it, don't forsake it, love it, do not turn away from it, prize it, embrace it, accept it, keep hold of it, do not let it go, guard her. Is God trying to tell us something here? Does he want us to just fumble through life, making decisions that are ill-informed? The answer to the question is no. The thing is, is that repetition, all those words are a, a pursuing, a seeking after, as if you can't live without it. Because really, if you think about it, if we just use earthly wisdom, then we are just operating as fools. Where God says, don't be a fool. Instead, seek the wisdom from above. Now flip back to chapter 2 of Proverbs. Starting in verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. So again, see this pursuing that has taken place? You're not just remaining idle. And again, as we think about Ephesians, there is walking involved. There is forward momentum involved. We're not you know, meant to remain stagnant. We're not meant to just have knowledge in our head and not use it for good means. It says, receive it, treasure it, be attentive to it, incline your heart, call out, raise your voice, seek it. Seek it like a precious metal, silver. Search for it like hidden treasure. You remember when, you know, you had the opportunity and you believed that there was a treasure buried because you found a map that looked so genuine and there was an X on it and you would do whatever it would take to get to that X. You know, when we were in Alaska in a camping ministry, I, that was one of the things that we had a uh, a treasure that we took them all over. And I actually buried a treasure box in a sand flat 
that the water came over at high tide and they actually had to pace out and find out and dig it up where it was. And they were, every last one of them were looking everywhere, trying to figure out the clues, pursuing it because they wanted that treasure. And there was a treasure in it. Well, see, that's how we're supposed to pursue wisdom. Like you're looking for a hidden treasure because the wisdom of God is a treasure. It is the very best treasure you could possibly have to give you the ability to operate in this world in a way that is completely opposite of the rest of the world. Even though man may think he is wise, he is a fool. So why should we walk wisely? Well, let me give you three reasons why we should walk wisely, and we're going to be taking them right out of Proverbs. Why should we walk wisely? Because then we will think, say, and do what is right. Look at back at chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, when we are just operating within the flesh, we're going to be wise in our own eyes. And it's saying here, don't be wise in your own eyes. Because again, if we look at the verse earlier, if we think we're wise in the flesh and in this world, really we're fools before God. Because God knows the thoughts of the wise and he says they're pointless. So when we think in relation to just this world with the knowledge that we have and the understanding we have and we make a decision that we believe is wise, God's saying it's futile. It's an exercise in futility to operate outside of the wisdom that comes from above. It says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Well, what is the evil? Making decisions in your own wisdom or in earthly wisdom. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 9. Just a couple pages there, verses 9 and 10. It says, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. So if someone is wise in heavenly wisdom, if you give him more instruction, instruction that comes from God himself, guess what? He's going to become more wise. Because again, the instruction that comes from God isn't futile. It's for our benefit. It says, teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So in other words, fear. You have a reverent love, a reverent respect for God. You trust that when he says the wisdom of this world is foolishness, that he is speaking the truth. Because either God's telling us the truth or he's lying. And if he's lying, he's not God. He's just like you and I. But he's saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in other words, you acknowledge that God knows what you do not know. Because he is, as it says, the one who declares the end from the beginning. That he is in his perfection only going to do that which is wise. Because to do otherwise, he would cease being God. And it's then that we have insight in how to live this life in this very complicated, deluded, foolish world. 
which we should desire. We should get that wisdom, seek it, embrace it, love it. Because it will inform what we think, say, and do. Why should we walk wisely? Because also it delivers us from the evil ways or from evil ways. Go back to Proverbs chapter 2. Because everything that's contrary to God is evil. So when we walk wisely with heavenly wisdom, notice what it says in verse 12 of chapter 2. It's delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. See, the thing is, walking in heavenly wisdom is important because not only does it inform you, but God also will show you all those around you who are exactly what this text says. Because we can keep up appearances. We can, we can put on a facade that, that uh, other people can't see our genuine intentions. They can be a, a, you know, a slick salesman to sh so have you see what they want you to see. But when you look inside, all they are is evil, perverse, crooked, devious. Flip over to chapter 4. That's why when we consider this in these evil ways, it's, there's a call here in verses 14 and 15. It says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. So the wisdom of this world, what are we supposed to do? Not enter that path because it's wicked. Do not walk that evil path. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now, you may be thinking, well, am I really, when I operate independent of wisdom that is heavenly, am I really that bad? Well, we're either operating in the Spirit, which the Spirit is going to guide us in all truth, and the Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom, which is going to show us the very wisdom that we're you know, called to seek and pursue, or we're operating in the wisdom of the flesh. Now, can you make good decisions that are good in relation to the rest of the world because you are a believer? Well, yes, you can. But they are not going to be decisions that are informed from the one who is perfect in his wisdom, who sees things that you do not see, who already knows all of your tomorrows, that's why we're supposed to avoid that path. Don't go on it. Don't even think. When the decision to make a decision comes, the first thing you should do is fear the Lord. God, what, is, what are you telling me I should do? What does your word tell me I should do? See, that's revering God. 
seeing him as he is. That's the beginning of wisdom, true wisdom that is heavenly. But a third thing, why should we walk wisely? Well, there is blessing in walking in heavenly wisdom. Turn back to chapter 2 of Proverbs. Verse 5, when you walk wisely, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then jumping down to verse 9, same chapter, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your souls. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. So every aspect of that heavenly wisdom, as it were, encapsulates you to guard you from the very things that the rest of this world just embrace. It helps you understand righteousness. Is there really right and wrong? Yes, there is. God tells us what is right and what is wrong. Do we want to know what justice is? Seek heavenly wisdom. If we want to know what equity is, Seek heavenly wisdom. If you want to know what the good path is and the decision to go and the road to go down, seek heavenly wisdom. Again, the word of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, showing me where I am and uh, a light to my path where I'm going. Because God's not going to misdirect you. His wisdom is not going to take you the wrong direction. It's going to keep you on that straight and narrow path. And when that instruction comes into your, your mind and your heart, you will be wiser still. You will increase in learning, as it says in Proverbs 9. All right, turn to chapter 3 of Proverbs. Because the, the blessings are not done yet. Look at verse 13. It says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. So in other words, happy are you when you find wisdom. Why are you happy? Because you are fearing the Lord. You are walking with him. You are carefully walking as someone who is wise and not unwise. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Verse 14, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. So there's gain, there's profit in acquiring heavenly wisdom. More than anything this world could have to offer that is of value. Because it goes on to say, verse 15, she is more precious than jewels. Are jewels precious to this world? They are. Are jewels precious when we have a, a ring that has a jewel in it? Yes, because it is a precious thing to have. But it says here that wisdom is more precious than that. And I love this phrase, and nothing you desire, nothing you desire can compare with her. So you pick it. What is your desire right now? What have you always wanted in this life? If I could grant you that one desire, what would it be? The scriptures are saying nothing, absolutely nothing compares with the wisdom that comes from God. 
any desire, any dream, any aspiration you have, nothing compares to that. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. So notice the generous nature of wisdom itself, because again, our God is a generous God. He does not withhold. He gives generously when we ask him for wisdom. That's why it's a benefit. It's a blessing. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. So when you operate in godly wisdom, forget the circumstances of life. Because it says here, her paths are peace. And the peace comes from knowing that you are fearing God and embracing wisdom that comes from the pure source which you have complete access to now because you are a son or daughter of God. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So the choicest benefits come from embracing and seeking and asking God and fearing God with wisdom that can come from only the creator himself. Verse 21, jump down a couple verses. My son, do not lose sight of these. Don't lose sight of it. Don't forget. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. They will walk on your way securely. Oh, I'm sorry, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Well, what about anxiety, Pastor Bill? It's gone. When we embrace heavenly wisdom, you can lie down and have a restful night's sleep. Because what you're doing is you're giving God all of that. You're not holding on to it. You're having his wisdom fill your heart and your mind and your soul because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I trust you. I am acknowledging that you are sovereign over all things and that nothing in this world, not even the thing I desire the most, is going to change who you are. And as that floods into your heart and your mind and your soul, you will have sweet sleep. You won't be afraid. Your foot will not stumble. Your way will be secure. Why? Because God is keeping you. And the circumstances of life are not controlling you. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 4. Told you there's lots of blessing in this. This is the last. Chapter 4, verse 5. It says, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. So wisdom, when you don't forsake her and love her, in other words, you have a reverent fear for God, then you can be guaranteed that you are going to be kept and guarded. So that means you're kept and you're secure where you are, but you're also guarded from all the attacks that Satan is going to thrust at you and call you to question God's wisdom. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, because it's exactly what he did. He questioned God's wisdom and how God established the garden. 
Did God really say? Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. It says, prize her highly, and here's the benefit. She will exalt you. She will honor you. So when you surrender and become a fool in relation to the wisdom of this world and fear God and embrace the wisdom that is from above, you actually are exalted. You're lifted up, which is contrary to man's thinking. How can in surrender I be exalted? Because we're talking about God here. He's given you insight into things and understanding into things. He's given you his mind to be able to see things through his eyes. Verse 9, she will place on your head a a graceful garland, and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Because the thing is, when you are living in light of the wisdom that is from above, all you are rewarded with everything that God has to offer to you. That peace that passes all understanding. The fact that you know that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that his word will be the lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. Every promise that God has made in his word is true because he is faithful, he is just. Then notice verses 12 and 13. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. See, when you operate in light of who you are before God, you walk and you're not going to be impeded because you're on a path of peace, because you're being obedient to God, and the circumstances of life do not affect that. Do the, the circumstances of life come down and cramp down on us? Yes. But the question is, what are you focused on? Those circumstances or on the God who gives you the wisdom to know, I have you. I will undergird you with my strong right arm. He will keep us under his wing like a hen does with her chicks. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Heavenly wisdom is your life. Because earthly wisdom was your life. That's all you lived by. That's not who you are anymore. And that's why it says you need to carefully consider how you walk. Am I going to walk in a way that is unwise? By going with the flow or going with my best guess, my best estimate that this is the least path of resistance? Do you see how that is iffy in every aspect? Whereas when you trust God, it's sure. So how should this inform our lives today? I've given you a lot of verses to consider. I encourage you to read Proverbs 2, 3, and 4 in their entirety. But see, this call is here because believers are not immune to foolishness. We can make poor choices. We can digress into the flesh and be devoid of living by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. So how do we walk as wise and not unwise? Well, it takes humility. 
It takes an open mind. It takes a tender heart to know your need to receive heavenly wisdom. You have to swallow your pride and stop saying, I've got this, and say, God, how do you want me to proceed with this? Do you see the difference in focus? Because sometimes we do have good intentions, but good intentions don't always produce a welcomed outcome. See, we try to hide our lack of wisdom. How many times have you done that? Where you've made a decision, an ill-informed decision, and you try and hide it because you're embarrassed. It's like the man who bought a yacht. His wife was nervous because he had no experience in sailing. But he knew he could handle it, and so for weeks he practiced in the harbor before taking it out to sea. Finally, he talked his nervous wife into going on the yacht with him. Gingerly, she stepped aboard, and out into the harbor they headed, and he tried to put her at ease. He said, honey, look, I've practiced enough in this harbor to know where every rock, every reef, and every sandbar is. At that very moment, a huge hidden rock beneath the surface made a large crunching sound from stem to stern. There, he said with a sheepish grin, is one of them going by now. (laughs) See, the husband had good intentions, but the thing is we can get distracted. We can focus on the wrong things. But the guarantee is, is that when we have a fear for God... That is the beginning of wisdom. And when we do that, when we surrender to God in that way, then God is not going to mislead us. He is not going to give us ill-informed information. It's perfect. He is the one who can achieve the most perfect ends by the most perfect means because that is what he is worthy of. He sees the end from the beginning and everything in proper relation and in full focus. We can get distracted one way or another. But see, there's a benefit when we seek heavenly wisdom. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever endeavor. See, the world needs to see heavenly wisdom in action. Because when we operate in heavenly wisdom, then it says we are like the brightness of the sky above. It blinds people. It sheds light on people. How did you know? How were you able to cope? Well, because I trust someone bigger than myself. I trust in the one true God who sent his son Jesus to save me from my sin and to guide me on those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the fact that you do not hold back your wisdom. Matter of fact, we are told that if we lack wisdom, we should come and ask you for it. 
and that you would give it to us generously. But that we should not be double-minded, being tossed to and fro, but we should trust wholeheartedly in you and your means and who you are. So, Father, help us to be wise not in our own eyes, but wise in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.